the episode 1395 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1395. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with two of my favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries. Uh, always love to get on with them. When it's these two guys together, 99.9 times out of 100, we're going to be talking baseball. And indeed, that's what we're doing today. We are previewing the 2021 World Series, which will be between the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves. And uh, a pleasure, as always, to get both of these guys on. Two of my longtime friends here doing the show with me. Uh, my, the, the, the gentleman I've known slightly longer, back to when I was a sidekick of his back in the day. I life's a pitch with Ken Detweiler on the late lamented Sports Talk Network. And uh, he's been uh, by my side ever since. Uh, a dignitary before there really were dignitaries here, before there was the lounge. My close personal friend, Ken Detweiler. How you doing, Kenny D? Hey, good. Good to be with two of my best baseball buddies. Absolutely. Um, this is going to be fun yet again. Oh, yeah. Love breaking it down with you and with, uh, as I go to set this one up here, another close personal friend and longtime FDH Lounge dignitary and uh, among many, many other things, uh, sports editor of WestchesterCountyPost.com, of course, one half of the great combo on Callous Remarks, the great uh, podcast with our uh, pal Joe Stazak. My good friend, Steve Callis. Uh, Steve, good to have you back on. Also, my friend, welcome to the program. Great to be on with both of you as always. Looking forward to this. It's going to be really cool uh, getting to do this here. Uh, I'm going to start, uh, as I generally do with something like this, some of the oddities of this year's World Series. I always look to, I like to look for uh, any kind of historical patterns between the two cities involved or anything like this. Uh, the, the one oddity that really comes to mind is this is the first time these teams have met in the World Series, but it is their sixth playoff meeting. You might say they're doing a reverse Cardinals-Brewers because the Cardinals and Brewers first met in the 1982 World Series, and then uh, when the Brewers jumped leagues and were division mates for many years with the Cardinals, they met again in the 2011 National League Championship Series. These teams met repeatedly in the National League playoffs, 1997-99-2001 won by Atlanta, 04 and 05 won by the Astros. The 04 victory was actually the first playoff victory for a series in Houston history. So uh, beating Atlanta was big at that time, not as big as winning a World Series, but it was the franchise breakthrough. Meanwhile, in 99, the Braves beat the Astros to make the World Series. And imagine saying at that time to an Atlanta Braves fan, you won't be back in the World Series until you're playing at the Astros in the World Series. <laughs> the Astros were, of course, many years still away from joining the American League, making this possible. Both managers over age 65, uh, Brian Snicker and Dusty Baker in there. And uh, for uh, Dusty Baker, he this is very uh, interesting little fact here, debuted for Atlanta against Houston on September 7th. 
1968, again, when they were both in the National League. And uh, this is uh, a series, uh, very, very unusual here, uh, factoid, uh, courtesy of Wikipedia. The first ever series with two teams from the former Confederate states, which uh, I don't know if we got Stacey Abrams' permission slip signed for this series, much less uh, they yanked the All-Star game out of Atlanta this year, and now the World Series is coming there. So it seems very insensitive to people who didn't want big events in Atlanta to bring the World Series there, but uh, what are you going to do? That's how MLB booked it, right? And uh, this, is the <laughs> this is the first time that both LCS losers from a previous year have rebounded to make the World Series. Both of these teams came up around short of the World Series a year ago, and here they are now. And it's the first World Series since 2014 that does not have a number one seed from either league. So, thoughts on any of those weird little factoids? I'll start with you, Steve Callis. Well, I think this is weird for a lot of reasons. My first complaint would be the American League pennant series, or the league championship series now, was the multiple cheaters on Houston versus Alex Cora on Boston. Believe it or not, I was actually rooting for the Red Sox because this still stinks to high heaven, the fact that these guys, I think they should have been, you know how they bar college teams sometimes, like three years from playing in the NCAA tournament? Right. I think they should have barred the Astros and okay. the Red Sox. Okay. Although I guess they didn't prove as much on the Red Sox, but Cora was like the key one of the key components for both of them. And, of course, they gave the Astros immunity. That's why they're all admitted cheaters, which is kind of incredible. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. But again, the notion the Astros win here and they're going to prove something is, to me, preposterous. Um, they won one World Series. They clearly cheated during that World Series and before that World Series. So I'm going to be rooting hard for Atlanta just for that reason. But there's a few other interesting things. Um, and I just want to say up front, I know we're essentially all old-timers here, but I am so fed up with the postseason home run stats. And in the old days of two, three, five years ago, they used to say, well, you know, uh, in the old days before 69, they only played World Series, and so they, didn't, they only had one postseason series. They didn't have, you know, 24 games or whatever it could be. I guess it could be 7, 7, 14, 5, 19 in the wild. I guess it could be 20 games. The most you could have was 7 in the good old days of pre-69. And I can even live with divisions because at least you had to win something, i.e. a division. You know, So when the Mets swept the Braves in 1969, that was as big a miracle as beating the Orioles. But whatever, I digress. I just want to give some numbers so we can have it somewhere on the record. And the all-time postseason home run leaders are Manny Ramirez with 29. Then Bernie Williams, home run hitter Bernie Williams with 22. Home run hitter Jose Altuve with 21. And home run hitter Derek Jeter with 20. Okay? But I just want to give you their World Series home runs before I get to Mantle and Ruth. <laughs> no, Manny Ramirez, Manny Ramirez, and we all agree, a great home run hitter. He has four World Series home runs. Bernie Williams has five. Jose Altuve has two. And Derek Jeter has three. World Series home runs, Mantle 18, Ruth 15, Barrett 12, Duke Snyder 11. And I might mention that Ruth had 15 home runs in 167 at-bats. And it took Mantle 
I love Mantle, but it took Mantle 273 to hit 18. My point on all of this is, yes, you can say the Yankees played in a ton of World Series. And yes, you can say the Yankees would have won West World Series had they played in a multi-series um, world. But the notion that these guys, Bernie Williams, Alcube, Derek Jeter, are like home run hitters postseason, give me a break. So I think there should always be two lists. I mean, I'm a guy who thinks they should have 154-game records still and 162-game records still in baseball. And I think in football, they should go to 12 games, 14, 15, 16, 17, because especially for football, from 12 to 16 is a totally different season. I know we're not talking football here. But one final thing I want to say, most hits in the single postseason, and Eddie Rosario, who was unconscious, had 14 hits in the NLCS. Four other guys have had 14 hits. Mario Scudero, Kevin Euclid, Matsui, Albert Pujols at least. And I will point out that I find it interesting to me as you go along, you face better pitching. Nobody in the history of baseball has ever had 14 hits in the World Series. So I'll say it again. A home run in the first round against the Texas Rangers by Bernie Williams in the late 90s or the mid-90s, doesn't count as a World Series home run and almost shouldn't count as a postseason home run because the guys you get early just aren't that good. The pitches aren't that good. I'm sorry. Well, very interesting points. Ken, any thoughts on that or on any of the historical nuggets that I helpfully served up? Well, I, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was hoping for the Boston Braves against uh, nice <laughs> against the Atlanta Braves. Yes. Um, I have I have to uh, the one thing I'll say about Cora compared to those Apple heads that uh, are gonna be playing for the Astros, um, is simply this. Cora at least admitted it that he was wrong, explained that to his family as I saw on one of the interviews at the end of the game, one of the games. I'm I'm still hearing crickets from you know, it's deniability uh, from the Astros. They didn't do anything wrong. I mean, come on. I just, I mean, unless I missed something, but I'm, I'm the Steve on this. This is ridiculous. Um, the cheaters go, and that's probably the way the world's going now in some, a lot of instances. They just uh, get away with stuff, and nobody holds them accountable. Accountability, folks. You cheat. You should have to have a price to pay. And at least Cora came correct and was thankful that he had another opportunity. That's about the, that's the only little nugget I'll give him. Okay. Uh, the, the only counterpoint I would make to that, uh, Ken, is that it's Dusty Baker who's managing the Astros, and he didn't have anything to do with this now, and you'll like this. I'm throwing this in for your benefit. Dusty Baker initially <laughs> going, an old-school guy like Dusty yeah. Baker initially going to a team that's analytics-heavy like the Astros, you would have thought that that would have created more awkwardness than any scene with Cousin Greg from Succession. But here we are. He's uh, done pretty well in two years. <laughs> Cousin Greg. Hey, I resemble that remark back in the day. He's like 6'5". Yes. <laughs> Love Cousin Greg. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just, that's just the bone I was wanting going to chew, and that's why Steve and I and, and you get along so well. We can chew on these bones, and we're old enough to remember when the game was played properly. We do. And uh, and it's just, uh, and I agree that, yeah, 
162 games. I mean, I'm seeing football now, 17 games schedule. It's just, uh, I'm a fossil. Well, I want to make a point about 162 games and where I think that uh, leaving aside how records should be uh, gauged historically, how I think the 162-game season is a very misleading framework for looking at this World Series here. Because on paper, uh, Houston is uh, fairly decent favorites here. Uh, and uh, in our uh, FDH Lounge Power Rankings, which we have up uh, on the main page link at uh, fantasydrafthelp.com, Going through, it is true that in every category that we were looking at, Houston did have the advantage, except the two teams were tied in FIP. But Houston with advantages uh, in our power rankings, OBP, OPS+, ERA+, Pythagorean record, SRS, and run differential. Now, that said, Atlanta wasn't like heinous in any of these ones here, uh, but it's just that Houston was very much near the top in all of them. But that's over the course of 162 games. And I'm going to start with you on this one here, Steve, because again, now you guys know how fond I am of cross sports references here. This Braves team, in a lot of ways, reminds me, because I'm such a huge believer, uh, and, and a lot FDH Lounge Dignitary Ben Chu and I have had many legendary off-air debates about regression to the mean, progression to the mean, but they remind me of the 2019 St. Louis Blues. You know, I don't know if the Braves wandered into a bar and somebody put $20 worth of Gloria in there and that turned around their season. I don't know if it worked the same way for them. But this is a team that was 30-35 and 35 on June 16th, and they were way too good of a team to be 30-35. and 35. Now, I know that they lost Marcelo Zuna because of his off-field issues. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. would go down a couple weeks later blowing out his knee. They made some great trades at the trade deadline, including the aforementioned Eddie Rosario. But from that 30 and 35, they finished 58 and 38. So while they're 88 and 73, and the Braves, uh, that's their record, the Astros are 95 and 67. To me, Steve Callis, the 58 and 38 number looms above all of this. The momentum that they have, that they came in with, finishing strong and Houston didn't exactly finish weak, but they were 25-21 and 21 in their last 46 games. So they were a little bit less than what they were during the season, but Houston was pretty steady throughout the course of the year. That, that number at the end of 25-21, and 21, a little bit below their winning percentage for the year because they, they opened at 70-46. Uh, and 46. But uh, I still just think in looking at this, uh, Steve, that if we're not taking into account the Astros, or I'm sorry, the Braves team that finished the season here and what they were towards the end, and we're just conceptualizing it for the season as a whole. I think that's a mistake. Well, I, you're 100% right. I think the season really started for the Braves, who Ozuna wasn't playing. He had a monster year. I think it was two years ago and was good last year. But Acuna is one of the five, five or seven best players in baseball. When he went down July 10th, I, I wrote him off for sure. And then they went 44 and 28. I know your numbers are a little bigger, but since Acuna got hurt, they were 44 and 28. That's pretty good. But I thought the season totally turned around, although I certainly didn't notice at the time. I noticed they picked up some nice players, but I never thought they'd be this good, including Eddie Rosario. But they also picked up Adam Duval and Jorge Soler. By the way, only had two at-bats in the championship series. He's back now. The question is, will he start game one? But Duval and Soler, as Braves, I know Duval, I think he led the league in RBIs or whatever, but as Braves, um, 
in two months, August and September, they combined for 30 home runs and 78 RBIs. Uh, the day of the trade deadline they had, and I'm not sure you would know better than me, Rick, how these possible percentages to make the playoffs, they put it up every week in the NFL. Well, on July 30th, the Braves' chances of winning the National League pennant were 2%. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, a couple of weeks before that, they traded for Jock Peterson, who wound up with three home runs so far in the postseason. So they really did turn their season around. Maybe they thought it might go this well. I didn't. But, you know, they turned their season around with those four guys. And since Peterson arrived on July 15th, Atlanta had a 285 average with running and score, runners in scoring position. And that was number one in the major leagues from July 15th till the end of the year. So a lot of things changed. On the one hand, I'll say to both of you guys, you know, 88 wins in the old days, 88 wins. Well, you had a nice season. See if you can do any better next year. But in this world, and we've talked about not just expansion to divisions, the dreaded wild card. I used to write columns on how baseball was the best sport by far because you had to win something originally, the pennant, and then even with two divisions, you had to win your division. Once, once they, once they went wild card, to me, baseball became like everybody else, and they're just trying to find more ways to get more people into the playoffs. You have the absurdity in the NBA now of the seven, eight, nine, ten play-in tournament or whatever the hell they want to call it. It's just ridiculous. You know, the NFL, if you're at 500, oh, we can just win those last three games and make the playoffs. It drives me nuts. Um, and it happens in baseball. This is a bad example, but 88 wins. You're right, Rick. They're not an 88-win team at all. If you go on second-half records, they're as good or better than most teams in the playoffs. And I'll just go briefly back to the Dodgers series. Because I did want to say, Chris Taylor hit three home runs in one World Series game. And I don't know the stats, but he was he was one of a very few people, I'm guessing, who had a chance for a fourth home run. And I love Chris Taylor, and he's a free agent. He's a very good player. Now he's, you know, gone to a higher level. But boy, did he try and hit a home run his last at bat. He probably never tried his whole career. And it kind of showed. But I do want to point out, getting again back to postseason versus World Series, uh, Chris Taylor became the 11th player to hit three home runs in a postseason game. It's happened 12 times. And, of course, the only guy to do it twice is Babe Ruth. But the only guys to do it in the World Series game are Babe Ruth twice, Reggie Jackson, and Albert Pujols. And I'll say it again. That, to me, shows the difference between the World Series and everything else. So, uh, again, I don't want to beat that to a pulp, but it, it certainly means a lot to me. So I think the Braves turned their season around specifically at the trade deadline. They got Peterson a couple of weeks before, but then Rosario Duval and Soler, who, again, had two plate appearances. He got hit the other night, and then there's talk. Is he going to start? He played really well for us, and we'll see how that shakes out tomorrow. Um Finally, I, I just want to say now, I don't know how in depth if we're going to go on each team or not, but I want to talk briefly about the lefty relievers on the Braves because these guys just came of age, and I think it was also, Rick, the midseason to the playoffs and how these guys have grown. They trot out these three lefties who can get out righties, Minter, Tyler Matzik, and Will Smith, their closer, and there's why the Dodgers lost. The Dodgers, against those three lefties, went 4 for 52 
22 strikeouts, and those three guys had a combined .077 ERA. In the entire postseason, they've allowed two runs in 24 and two-thirds innings. They have 35 strikeouts, have given up no home runs, and nine hits in the 24 and two-thirds innings. I know we're going to talk about more, but that, to me, turned out to be the key against the Dodgers, and I think uh, could very well be the key against um, the Astros in the World Series. Matzik, a lefty, came in and struck out, and this is in the final game, struck out Pujols, Sousa, and Mookie Betts back-to-back-to-back to essentially give them, I was with second and third, nobody out. That was the turning point of the game. And I think what these guys have done, being pretty unnoticed, although good during the year, has been almost unfathomable. Those are video game numbers. And I know we're going to talk about more, but that to me was the key to them winning the past series. It might be the key to them winning the World Series. Well, again, a couple points here, and I do want to ask you a follow-up on one of these things here, uh, Stephen. By the way, I'm going to point out that uh, while I had predicted when we did our playoff preview, I predicted the Dodgers to win the pennant. Before the league championship series on Twitter, I hedged my bets, and I picked Astros and Braves. Because when the Dodgers were coming off of that grueling series against the Giants, and the Astros had it, or, or, I'm sorry, the Braves had it a little bit easier against the Brewers, that's where I flipped my... Uh, decision on that, and I do think that played into the last series somewhat, at the very least a very slow start that the Dodgers got off to, but knowing you as I do, Steve, I knew you were going to reference Atlanta only having the 88 games and many years that would be good enough to make it in and whatever. I mean, I knew that was coming, but the thing I'm going to say is this, is that uh, the, the general manager slash president of baseball operations, whatever his titles are, Alex Anthopoulos, he's had kind of a fitful journey from when he was the young would-be savant in baseball to getting to this point now. But he did, in my estimation, and I think you would agree with me, the only rational thing you could do in loading up, because as you pointed out, it is a tournament now, much like March Madness. That's the way it is. And the Braves, they were a consensus pick to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. A lot of people like myself at the beginning of the year had them going out in the National League Championship Series they have one of the best rosters in baseball. So even with injuries, and yes, with Ozuna and Acuna Jr. out, those are two MVP candidates. But if ever there was a roster deep enough to withstand this, it would be the Atlanta Braves. So Anthopoulos making those moves and saying, we're definitely going to have a much better second half than a first half, whether or not I make these moves. These moves can maybe take us over the top in October. Uh, you know, He looked at it exactly rationally in my estimation, and I would guess in your estimation, Steve. Oh, 100%. You know, I love the Braves too well. You know that, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Based on that, since you made an excellent analogy to it's now a tournament, uh, I have to say to have in the quarterfinals of the tournament, a 106-win team play a 107-win team. Boy, that's kind of rough to see. And, And now they're both gone. Again, in the old, old days, if you won... 100 games, and you were in the World Series, even if you lost, you had a really good year. Now, the Seattle Mariners, in, when was that, 98, went 100, or whatever year it was, won 116 games, and the Yankees knocked them out, and they're like, forgotten, I can't even tell you year it was. So, I understand the money part of it. I understand we have to make as many teams possible, get to the playoffs. I understand we have to have a bottom run, the NBA, so the HC can get their heads kicked in by the first seed in the NHL, at least you have a chance. But um, 
from the big picture, and as Chen says, we've all seen this for many years, it's really kind of sad now versus then, just in terms of, you know, the Giants won the Super Bowl with a 9-7 and seven record. I'm sorry. Uh, and I'm a Giants fan, football Giants I'm talking about now, of course. And you just look back to the old days, and if you go way back in football, you'll see a team was like 13-2 and two and didn't get into the championship game because somebody else was 14-1 and one or something. I, I mean, I mean, I just think mm-hmm. 106 and 107 is absurd, but you had, at least on paper, the two best teams in the tournament during the regular season. One got knocked out in the quarterfinals, and one got knocked out in the semifinals. And I'll say it forever, because this is, you can't beat this. This is kind of the way it is. But yeah, you're right. It's now a tournament. It's not the old days. And I, I could even live with the division series at the beginning, because you had to win something. And then it was two rounds. But now all these rounds are like compiler rounds. I'll say it again. You can play 7, 14, 19. You can play 20 games in the playoffs now. And, and to me, that's kind of ridiculous. But to compare those records, that's why I think the World Series records would be out front kind of this week because that's real baseball. Um, and I think you'll see better pitching. One, a couple things I want to say quickly about pitching because I want to hear what Ken has to say. Um, but I read this and I, thought, I just thought it was a misprint. But the relief pitchers in these two series – Relievers for the Braves pitched 49% of the innings. So we're now at the 50-50 level starters of relievers. The Astros relievers pitched 57% of postseason innings for the Astros. And when I read this, Ken, I was thinking of you because I just I thought it was a misprint, but I checked it in two different places. In the first four games of the ALCS, the Astros starters pitched Six and two-thirds innings. And I remember thinking, damn, I, I don't think they all pitched six and two-thirds innings. Ken, the starters for the Astros in the first four games pitched a combined six <laughs> and two-thirds innings in four games. And I still thought it was a misprint. And I'm like, we're already here. Everything we thought about two, three, four years ago uh, has now come to pass. And those numbers on relievers, I think, are only going to go up. You don't need five starters. You need three starters and two openers now. It's really ridiculous, but this is where we are. Analytics has kind of messed it up. Um, and sometimes sometimes you'll even tell me most times it works. I'll put in my final thing for the bunts. So they say it's 2% better to have like the guy swinging um, rather than sacrifice bunts. They, they worked it out over years. I say wow. now that's not true. I say now that's true, not true anymore because every week on Sports Center, if you watch, you'll see one or two games that are decided. A guy lays down a sacrifice, the pitcher throws it into right field, or the third baseman throws it into right field. Why? Because it's not automatic like it used to be in the old days. Nobody bunts, nobody feels, nobody throws. Pitchers don't throw from the third baseline to first. They don't even practice that anymore. So I'm a big bunt believer. And I think these guys should bunch for hits. I don't even think they should give themselves up. But that's that's a whole other show. Maybe we can well, do next spring. Wait, well, <laughs> big big bunt like wasn't wasn't big bunt believer uh, a big hit for the monkeys back in the sixties? Or am I remembering that wrong? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one the one thing I will say. 
As far as the pitching formula for Houston, that's how you survive losing a Lance McCullers. I mean, say what you will, but they advanced, they got through, they did what they had to do on that. And yes, Ken, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on the pitching things that uh, Steve was kind of serving up there. Well, and and, maybe, and you guys know the stats a lot better than I do. I watched the game, I love the game, just like both of you do. But I'm nowhere near the stats that you guys present, and that's what gets me going. I'm sitting here taking my notes, listening to both of you birds chirp about <laughs> this stuff. But how far off am I by saying that the Dodgers, their pitchers only went like two innings each game? Right. Am I, yeah. am I off base on that or not? I mean, it seemed like it anyways. It seemed that way. I mean, people just came in and they went out. And it was, I mean, Scherzer was in and then he was gone. And there's no fault of his own. But I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, these guys that can't even go two innings um, or something along those lines. You know, they, they, the starters came in and out so quickly. Uh, to Steve's point, and to yours too, Rick, it's just, it's amazing. They just go to the pen, and I didn't realize it was like 50%, but that doesn't surprise me at all either. Uh, before you go to the pen and the starters do get in 50% of the time. With, with what Steven said, um, he stole my thunder on some of my points on the Braves. So, but, of course, you guys are on top of things. So I have the fact that the Braves' bullpen is going to be probably dominant here. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have any chance at all of winning this right and um and who knows if that was a mirage uh with the lefties coming in being an old lefty i pull on form at all all costs mm-hmm. but i did see the braves and this is kind of going sideways on us here a little bit they be, i think they beat the dodgers because they could hit the long ball better yes that's absolutely true um, i mean and that that infield and i'll tell you what uh, ken i'm going to do a little Chief pat on the back for myself here. Austin Riley, who, as you know, wears the uniform of the Innovators of Violence in our long-term Keeper League. Uh, Austin (laughs) Riley, given the Braves in the postseason what he gave me all year long and what he's given me since he uh, got called up there. But uh, you are right about the uh, the power being the uh, the differential. And that, uh, again, when the the Dodgers started losing guys like Muncie and having some of the guys cool off that were hot in the San Francisco series – you are absolutely right about that, Ken. They didn't have the margin for error, power-wise. No, they just couldn't. They couldn't keep up with it. And, you know, maybe if they had Trevor Bauer for the whole season. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and it's funny how he's been erased from history. I mean, that's a name you don't even hear anymore. And yet, uh, again, that's a huge variable to have been taken out of that series. So there's no question uh, that uh, things might have been different for them. Uh, if they'd have had access to them. But, uh, yes, this this Braves uh, infield, the power-hitting infield all the way around. I used to joke about the old infields with the Phillies back in the 2000s here that you could put Rick Morris at third base and still have the best uh, infield in baseball. But, uh, you know, between the way that, uh, you know, at the corners, Freeman and Riley and then Albies and Swanson in the middle, the progression that's, that Swanson's made, uh, again, once they tuned up that outfield, uh, they were really in good shape. Uh, the pitching being strong, even without Soroka, and that's another thing here, too. We don't really talk about him yeah. anymore, but uh, he hasn't been in there uh, for the Braves due to uh, to injuries. So there's some really great talents that are going to be sitting out of this uh, postseason. 
I, I will say that uh, Bill Simmons's, you know, Ewing theory here of that uh, sometimes a team is better off without anybody. I don't think anybody in their right mind is ever going to make Ronald Lacuna Jr. a Ewing theory candidate, and they're doing it despite his absence, clearly. <laughs> but, uh, you know. It's uh, it, it's been an incredible uh, run for them. Said for the Astros, you got McCullers out. That leaves the uh, the rotation kind of compromised. Their bullpen is not as deep as Atlanta's, which I think uh, has a chance to really be problematic for them as far as uh, you know being able to, to chew up innings and go deep into games. Obviously, the power that they bring is is very very much the same between the emergence uh, of the one-time great prospect, uh, Kyle Tucker, uh, really kind of coming into his own here, and Korea and Bregman, what they still give you, uh, the, the veterans from the last great uh, run of champions here in Houston. So I'll, uh, I'll start with you, uh, Steve, because I'm just going to say I'm leaning towards Atlanta off the bat here because of some of the variables that I've been talking about and uh, some of the things they have going for them versus, uh, I think, the McCullers thing. Uh, has a chance to be very, very huge for a team whose rotation can't necessarily afford it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm leaning towards Atlanta, but even if you came in and made an incredibly convincing case to the Astros, I wouldn't pick them on just general principle. And by the way, are you sure I speak for Ken? Next year, Rick, when you're going to go on somewhere and give a new pick before the uh, LCSs, I think Ken and I should be notified so we can make our picks as well. Because now you come out smelling like a rose. You pick the World Series. I'm still looking for the Tampa Bay Rays. I can't find them. Would, just saying. Would it would it be arrogant? Yeah. Of, would it be it would it be terribly arrogant of me if I said I just assumed the entire world was looking at the FDH Lounge Twitter picks? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I am. All my fault for not going there. I do think, yeah. and I know starting pitching is becoming less and less important, but in my mind, it's still important. You're right. Without McCullers, they're going to start Framder Valdez. Now, Valdez, he had the best starting pitching performance in the playoffs. He held the Red Sox to one run in eight innings in game five. And then Garcia came out in five and two-thirds in, in game six against the Red Sox. He gave up one hit, no runs in five and two-thirds. So these guys who, who don't have the names uh, – you know, they, they have a, a right to be there. It'll be interesting how they deal with these kinds of appearances in gigantic games. I know Valdez is starting game one. But, you know, to have, a, to have an old vet like Charlie Morton, who, yep. of course, former Astro Charlie Morton, uh, to have him in Freed, who has the best curveball in baseball, I'm sure you've watched it, Ken, because this guy... As yeah. a few lefty curveballs, like an old-time curveball, 12 to 6. I think they have starting pitching, and I think you're right, Rick, in saying I think they have the edge of the bullpen. Although some things I've read have said Houston, you know, Presley's a great closer, but Houston's lefties are not very good. I don't know what they're going to do with Freddie Freeman and Rosario. I mean, again, Rosario splits. He's the MVP. 560 batting average, 607 OBP, 1.040 slugging. That's that's the video game. His right. OPS is 1.674. I've like never heard of it except in a video game. And also Alvarez, give him credit. We didn't even mention this for Houston. 522 batting average, 538 OBP. Okay, in the walk margin. 870 slugging for a 1.408. Again, and I'll mention Gurriel. Batting champion Gurriel at the age of 37. In the in this series, 455, 520 OBP, 636 slugging, 
1.156 OPS. So the Astros do have two of those guys, and the Braves only have one. But Freddie Freeman, last year's MVP, who struck out seven of his first eight at-bats in this series, uh, came back to have a really good series. And I just don't think that the lefty relievers, and I think this is important nowadays, it's almost like we should talk about the relievers more than the starters. I don't think... Um, Houston's relievers are going to come in and be able to get out Rosario and Freddie Freeman. Obviously, we'll see because that's when they'll be brought in, presumably. Uh, but they don't come remotely close to Houston's three lefties. Now, uh, I'm sorry, to Atlanta's three lefties. Now, Luke Jackson had a terrible series. He, he's their righty middle reliever uh, and has had a really good year. But, you know, he threw that high fastball to Bellinger for strike two. I remember Ron Darling saying Bellinger had a terrible series, uh, season, but a really good series. I remember Ron Darling, of all people, who's great, he said, yeah, you know, we've seen this year, Bellinger has trouble a lot with the high fastball. And the next fastball is like three inches higher out of the strike zone. And, of course, Bellinger hit it for that three-run homer, which at least seemed to change the series. It didn't they won the game, but it didn't change the series. Right. But yeah. I just think... I think that might be the key, Atlanta's three lefties uh, in relief versus the two lefties for Houston. I don't know if that's too narrow or not, but I think it's very important. And the two lefties are Freddie Freeman and Rosario. I mean, come on, those guys can hit lefties as well. Well, I think those are very good points. Two things I, I want to mention before I throw it to Ken here, and that is on the Atlanta pitching. And that Charlie Morton, you said formerly of the Astros, Let's note this as well, formerly of the Rays, like this guy, every October, he's pitching deep into October, like this guy, so it, it, and it's not just luck, it's not just that he's, you know, w w lucky to wind up on good teams, but he's contributing to these teams being very good, but Charlie Morton has been the biggest common denominator probably of the last five uh, World Series, and uh, it's just an incredible, uh, you know, he's having a, a, a great renaissance. He's age 37, and he's getting the job done. Meanwhile, Max Fried, uh, on a far less mature point than this, I do want to reference the great uh, Hulu sitcom Letter Kenny uh, when they were talking about using uh, different baseball cliches as pickup lines, what you said about his 12 to 6 curveball. Uh, probably the greatest adaptation I've ever heard is. Your twelve to six curve is making me go six to twelve. <laughs> so, try, try, try that out in the bar sometime, kids. Try it out. <laughs> and on that note, Ken, I don't know where you go with that, but uh, your thoughts on the series? <laughs> well, let me start off by, and and Rick, you you can feel this pain too because Eddie frickin' Rosario. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, come on. Well, you know, but just let him go. Well, and, and here's the like, thing, here though. In, in fairness, once he got to Atlanta, he didn't have Ty Van Cornholio as his batting coach, so there is that. <laughs> True. Yes. But a couple things. Okay, I'm just going to go down my little litany here quickly, and I won't bore you to tears. But first of all, if I'm, I'm pulling for Atlanta too. And one of the reasons is because I'm a history buff and I believe in this great country, but states rights, baby, you know, take the, take the all-star game and shove it because, uh, you know, Atlanta said, but this is how we're going to run our state. And this is how we're going to do it, whether you agree or disagree. But it's like, yeah, at least I get some of, they can recoup some of the money they lost from the, uh, 
the All-Star game. Well, I Ken, you say that now, but how pissed are you going to be if they move the three National League games to Denver? Yeah, that's true. Oh, but again, I'm going to go back to pitching again. Surprise, surprise. Um, and you guys have both good good points in there. They, I believe Atlanta has the better pitching. I don't know how um, the Astros are going to, you know, handle this lineup from Atlanta. And simply because I don't think they either have their relievers, I don't think they have the starting pitching to, to match up with them. True. Uh, as far as Martin Freed, Anderson. And I'm going to try out another one. I'm going to dust him off here. Smiley could be, you know, a yes. dark horse here too. Yes, very possibly. Um, so, but uh, the thing that, Flips me over a little bit on the um, the Astros is you know they're going to they're going to get four games at home maybe and that means they're going to try it out to DH which they're that's that's a, again I, I don't believe in but they should have it equal whatever they're doing mm-hmm. uh, on this as far as a fair fair playing field the Astros also as I watched them uh, during the series is uh, the previous series, was that uh, they they work a pitcher. Right. They, they foul balls off left and right. Uh, all of a sudden, the pitch counts up. They've had productive outs. Mm-hmm. They've moved runners around. It's just, uh, you know, it's a good brand of baseball to watch, not if you're a pitcher. So I'm curious to see how Atlanta's going to ha- handle that because these guys are just good hitters. They'll put the ball in play. They'll foul it off. Uh, they'll get their pitch then eventually. And so, um, I don't know the number of pitches these guys will fall off or do any of that stuff or how that will even play out. But um, the home games, the working the counts, uh, and I think, and maybe this is just me, maybe it's because of the way the American League's built, mm-hmm. but I think they're just tougher um, as far as hitting. Just what I just said previously. Yeah, all those things add up, and those guys, you know, the National League plays the kind of ball that I used to love. Right, uh, you know, move the runners around, like Steve said, bunt them over. That's a lost art. Right, that's a lost art at all levels now, high school, college, all that stuff. So, um, but, um, so, um, I think that's about everything I said. I think the Astros are going to be up, up the creek. A little bit with their pitching, and the Braves, I think, are going to take advantage of that. I think very possibly. Now, with the DH, uh, further insult to injury for us Tribe fans. Uh, we're going to get to see old Abe Almonte making a couple of appearances oh, here. Oh, no, oh, <laughs> probably not, but you never know. And uh, as far as it goes with Smiley, I do agree with you. We shouldn't sleep on him. The biggest thing to him is he he is especially relative to the rest of the rotation, more of a pitch-to-contact kind of a guy, that 137 whip, mildly fugly here. So, you know, if he can kind of keep that under control, uh, then the Braves are going to be in very good shape. But something tells me he wouldn't be going deep into games anyways, probably. So uh, let's just throw it around here to get uh, picks and uh, any other uh, thoughts on this. Uh, I think most of the thoughts on the series have already drained from my head, so I'm just going to say, I picked the Braves in six. I'll throw it to you, Steve. Yeah, I got a few things to say about what Ken said that kind of supports what he said. The Astros have the lowest strikeout rate in Major League Baseball. 
and that strikes me just as Ken said. You you see more pitches, you draw more walks, you put the ball in play. What a concept! And um, they did score sixty seven runs in the ten playoff games already, so that's six point seven runs a game. Obviously, that's pretty good. And forty five of them came with two outs. So that all, uh, Ken is right. The Astros have a bunch of hitters. You know, their infield, Bregman, Correa, Altuve, Yuri Gurriel, batting champ this year, whatever you think, whatever I think of them, that's an unbelievable infield. So um, I still, I'm going Braves in six. You stole my thunder, Rick, but I think uh, they can do it. I do want to mention before I throw it over to for Ken's pick, though, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the manager, 72-year-old Dusty Baker. Now, Poor Dusty Baker, I'll say, because he lost the World Series as the Giants manager in 2002 to the Angels, which forever stays in my head because you guys probably both know that the Angels were the first wild card team to win the World Series, and yep. that just made me sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but imagine having that happen to you, and then the next year you're managing the Cubs in the Bartman game. Right. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah so that's back-to-back years. And that's the closest he's come to winning a World Series. Now, everybody's saying Dusty Baker will become a Hall of Fame manager if he win, if the Astros win, and I'm not saying he won't. I mean, there you can make the case for him now. He's 12th all-time in regular season wins. And the 11 guys in front of him all have won a World Series, and all are in the Hall of Fame except Bruce Bochy, who I think will eventually, he won three with the Giants. Yes, he'll make My goodness, he even won a, a pennant with the Padres. So I, I don't know if this makes Dusty Baker a Hall of Famer or not. If he wins, he's definitely in. If he loses, I think you can still make the case for him. But you guys are right. I do give him credit. He was not there for the bad stuff. They brought him in as kind of the grandpa. But I also give him credit for pulling uh, Ian Anderson for a pinch hitter in the fourth inning of that last game. And the guy got a pinch hit single. I forget who it was. But then Rosario hit that three-run homer. And that essentially made them winners. So yeah. I think he's... I'm not saying he's Mr. Analytics, but he kind of gets the point. And, uh, you know, I think the Astros, besides cheating, have been a pretty good analytics team as well. And, of course, Snicker, I like him a lot. Uh, interesting note, I don't know if you guys noticed, I just found this out today. Snicker's son, Troy Snicker, is an assistant hitting coach for the Astros. Whoa. So, somebody Whoa. in the Snicker home is going home with a... The guy even said, the, the son, I guess he, maybe he lives at home. I don't know. He, he said, well, one of us is bringing, bringing the World Series home. But his, wow. dad is, his dad is a 66-year-old lifer. You love those guys, Ken. I love them. I'm sure you do, Jeff yep. Rick. Been in the Braves organization for over like 40 years. Was actually hired by Hank Aaron, who was working wow. for the Braves for many years, like in the late 70s. So you got to love this guy because he's a real lifer. And you saw the happiness. You know, this is oh. what a lifer looks like when he finally makes the World Series. And until the last few years, nobody's ever heard of him. So uh, I love those two managers. Yes, they're old-timers, so there is room in the game for old-timers. Um, and I just wanted to mention them. But I, like you, Rick, have uh, Atlanta in six. How about you, Ken? Well, wait a minute. Quick, quick thought before we throw it to Ken. I just want to mention here. I can't let this go by. What you were talking about about you know the cheapening of a wild card team winning the 2002 World Series, uh, you know uh, I, I'm just going to postulate here for a second a little more cheapening by the fact that uh, Dusty Baker had Big Head Barry anchoring his lineup at the time and all that that implies. So 
you know, I think that was a little bit worse for baseball's uh, reputation than a wild card team winning the World Series. So I'll part company respectfully. And uh, Ken, yeah, you're 100%, 100% right on that. All right, all right. Uh, Ken, going to throw it to you. Uh, other other thoughts on this and your World Series pick? Well, I'm going to ask you both to think about this as I as I ramble on for a minute or two here. Um, who is your World Series hero in seven games? Uh, call I'll me. Just, I'll let you think about that. Right call now. me a homer. I'm going to say I'm, Austin I'm, Riley. I'm, I'm a homer. <laughs> all right, Steve. Uh, you can wait a minute or so. I have mine. Yeah, I think I, I'll just listen to what you say, and then I'll have somebody by the end. I'm not going to say Rosario, because that would be an obvious pick. But these guys, uh, it's hard to hit, you know, 562 series in a row. Uh, my, my my pick is another dark horse. Surprise, surprise. But Solar, uh, is who I'm thinking. Yeah. Mm. He's got him in a DH a few games. He's gonna, he says, that's going to get in there somehow. So I know that's a long shot, but. Um, I think the only way Houston even wins this thing, and this is, I would, anybody out there that's going to be listening to this, please go the other way than what I've just told you. But um, Houston has to hit the ball on the ground and keep it on the ground. Yeah. Because, or, or not, not Houston, they're going to have to keep the Braves hitting the ball on the ground. Because right. what I said earlier, they just, they hit the long ball, they love to hit the long ball, and it puts them ahead. Early in the game, and um, as as we saw with the uh, Dodgers series, so I'm picking the Braves barely in seven, and uh, like I said, that's my pick. And the other thing too is I'm so tired of hearing about, and I've been saying this too, about how unfairly the Astros have been treated, and they have they have something to play for, and you know they were so unjustifiably treated. You know, they're cheaters. Let's call it what they are. So they can go piss up the road. Pardon my language. You might have to delete that. <laughs> we don't delete anything. No. Well, inter- um, interesting thing here is that we're all picking essentially Atlanta to finish off the series and win in Houston. It is worth saying they, they're the freakish kind of a team that has a slightly better road record. 46 and 35 as opposed to 42 and 30 at eight at home. So if ever you're looking at a team that would be more likely to win it on the road, however marginally it would be, Atlanta. Uh, Steve Callis, uh, thoughts on a World Series MVP before we wrap? Yeah, I'm going to go Freddie Freeman. I think he uh, slumped badly the first two games against the Dodgers, some strikeouts and native bats, then he totally turned it around. It's been around forever. His first World Series MVP of the league last year. I don't think he wants to leave. He's also a free agent. I don't think he wants to leave. But I think given what the two lefty relievers are, um, now Valdez is the lefty of the starting pitcher, but given what the two lefty relievers are, I don't think late in the game, Freddie Freeman is going to walk up to the plate and be really, really worried because he's either going to hit two lefties who can't sniff his three lefties in the bullpen for Atlanta, and everybody else is righty. I think, don't get me wrong, Presley is a great closer. But I think Freddie Freeman's going to have a very big uh, World Series, so that would be my pick. Very, very interesting indeed, and uh, we'll have to see how this plays out. Always a pleasure to have both of you guys on the show here. Thank you both so much, Ken Detweiler, Steve Callis, for being on with me here today to break down the World Series. Great as always, Rick and Ken. Yeah, great job, guys. I mean, I'd love to 
the fountain of information you guys keep throwing at me. I'm just sitting here just watching it. You know. or, or misinformation, as I've been accused of from time to time. But, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> even, even that can be uh, – I'm using the old Gorilla Monsoon line. I'm a fountain, fountain of misinformation. <laughs> yes, exactly. So regular information, misinformation, it's all good. Thank you guys both, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our World Series preview for 2021, FDH Lounge, mini-episode 1395.